The Secret Library Podcast is brought to you by listener support from listeners like you via the Secret Library Podcast Patreon. You can check it out and become a supporter at patreon.com slash secret library. This is episode 129 of the Secret Library Podcast. And I am super excited because one of our favorite guests is on today, Mary Laura Philpot, who's been on before. You all know her. She has been on to talk about her book, Penguins with People Problems, and to also bless us with her incredible reading recommendations on a semi-seasonal basis. So I'm very, very excited to have her here as we are in the thick of holiday gift hunting season to talk about some of her and some of my favorite books of the season that you might want to give as gifts this holiday, but also to talk to her as she is in the midst of the this sort of messy middle before her book, I Miss You When I Blink, comes out, um, a collection of essays that will be out in 2019. So I couldn't resist an opportunity to talk to Mary Laura, as always. And another fun bonus is because we do hold up a lot of books and flash them at each other, this episode will also be available on YouTube for your viewing pleasure. Um, And that way you can see all the covers that we're talking about, along with hearing about them on the show. So I couldn't be happier to share Mary Laura Philpott. All right, so... We have video and audio for this episode, and we have Mary Laura Philpot again because she's the best, and she deals <laughs> with things like me screwing up the schedule. So we're here to talk about not only the books she's been reading, but also, if anyone doesn't know yet, her essay collection, I Miss You When I Blink, is coming out in April. I haven't yeah. read it yet, but I am getting my mitts on it. I've been in <laughs> I'm very eager to talk about it more, but I, I really want to talk about this interim process because this is a process that we don't get to talk to people about as much mm-hmm. because it's um, it's the point when the book is done yeah, and it's not yet out in the world. And you usually yeah. either talk to people like when they're promoting one book, they're sort of like, oh, I'm starting to write the other ones. You hear a right. little bit about it then or you hear about it, like it's out now. And by that point you haven't touched it in years. So this middle point, and you have some amazing stories. If people don't follow you on Instagram, they should, because your Instagram (laughs) stories about what's happening are really priceless. (laughs) So how's it going being in this sort of messy middle? It's, it's good. It is. You're right. It's a weird time because the book is completely out of your control. At this point, I, I can't change anything else about it. If I like realize that I should have ended an essay differently, it's too late. <laughs> it's already, it's already happening, um, and it's in the hands of other people, obviously at Simon and Schuster, and they're doing all the things that they do with it. And so I have this sort of weird remove where I see the book out in the world, starting to do things that have nothing to do with me, which is. It's like, I guess it's like when your kids get big and you start to see your kids having an interest in things you never had an interest in. Um, so this is, this is the ARC, the advanced reader copy. That's what it looks like. And probably most of your readers know this or your listeners know this, but just in case, the ARC is a preview copy that's just like a little cheap paperback copy that gets sent around to booksellers and book media people long before the book comes out. So the public doesn't have it yet. The public's not going to have it till April, but I'm starting to see on Instagram and other places, pictures of people reading these early copies. And every time I see it, it makes me scream out loud. Like 
like I've just walked into a room and one of my internal organs is on the floor. <laughs> it's, it's just stunning to see this thing that, was, that lived in my head and in my laptop <laughs> for years be out in the world. That's kind of, it's, it's strange. And it's actually really nice that there's this lead up time where that's happening because hopefully by the time April gets here, I won't scream out loud every time I see it and I'll be calm and I'll be normal about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you should ever have to be normal about it. I think that's an unrealistic expectation, <laughs> but um, I do think that it is this, it, it's good that there's this period so you can kind of practice yeah. Because if you had that reaction every time you want to do a bookstore, that would get really exhausting. Yeah. And I am learning how to talk about it because obviously right now I'm in that phase where everybody's like, what's your book about? What's your book about? But they, oh, they can't boy. pick it up and see what it's about. So I have to be able to tell them. And I'm getting my elevator pitch, you know, shorter and shorter. I'm getting better at, at describing and saying, okay, it's a memoir in essays, which means it's a memoir, but it's also a collection of essays. So you can pick it up and put it down or you can read it from start to finish. And it has sort of a, a narrative arc to it. And it's about my life, but it's meant to be really relatable. And you might feel like it's about your life too. And it's about what it's like to be a perfectionist in an imperfect world and to be somebody who likes to get things right, but things don't always go right. And how do you, how do you start over and how do you get a fresh start when you're a grown up and you can't necessarily do the Cheryl Strayed, throw your life away and hike the trail thing. So I'm getting better at it. Is that good? I don't know if that's I'm getting good. it. That's sort of like, have you am been I, living? Am I kind of finding my head? <laughs> I'm like, I think you're, you're channeling my brain. <laughs> good. That means it, yeah. it might be a, a good read for you. Oh, I already knew it was going to be. I, I, I was not concerned about this at all. For anybody who's listening to this rather than watching our weird audio where you can see my laundry drying in the background, um, the cover is really great. We'll put a picture of it in the show notes, but it's this white cover with bright colors, nicely arranged type, and, and cool little eyelash blinkies. And there's a story about how enticing the cover was from an oh. airport security experience <laughs> that I really, I have never heard something like this happening before in my life. Okay, so the, <laughs> I'll tell that story. So my, my friend JT Ellison, who writes fiction, she writes thrillers, and she's also my co-host on the public television show that we do called A Word on Words. So we, we trade episodes. I film an episode, she films an episode. So we actually don't see each other all that often, but she was going on a trip somewhere probably to promote her latest book, and she was going through airport security, and she had just gotten this preview copy, and it was down in her bag, and she got flagged at security and they made her, you know, step aside while they open up her bag. And she thought, what in the world do I have in here that is, that is getting me flagged in security? And she said, the, the security lady opened it up and said, there it is, there it is, write that down. And she wanted to write down the title of the book. They had seen the book come through security. And I guess, I don't know if you can read covers through the x-ray machine, but she wanted to pull it out and see what it was. So she got flagged so that the security lady could write down the name of the book. So this she can read it later. Okay, here's the thing I want to know. Which airport was this? Because now I feel like this is the literary airport and you got to fly through this airport and, and put, your, put your book through security right. for this security guard. <laughs> Just see, it's like an early indicator. Like how well right. is the book going to do? Oh, if the security, yeah. this lady at this <laughs> airport flags your book, then you know that you have right. made the cover design. 
I think it was the Nashville airport, but I'm not okay. positive. JT travels a lot, so it could have been anywhere. I think it I was think Nashville, we, we need, though. I need to know. Inquiring. That would make sense that yeah. Nashville is the literary airport. I think so. I'm thinking of it like that. It's a great airport. Excellent. I love this story. It makes me so happy. Because, <laughs> I mean, people associate travel and going through security as like this traumatic sort of invasive yeah. process, not like a literary love fest, right. as it could be. You just never know. It gives me hope for who's working in the TSA. Yeah, they read, man. So you're out there and, and how is it? You're starting to get feedback, but you're getting feedback from sort of a, a curated public. Yes, it's mostly booksellers, um, people who work in some element of the publishing world. And I tell you what is surprising me so far that I didn't expect um, is that when people, when this book resonates with somebody, what they do is they write me these really personal emails and notes. And I guess when I think back to books that have resonated with me, that's kind of the response that I had too. Like I would read, you know, like Eat, Pray, Love. I loved that mm. book. I know that book's been out forever. I, I still love it. I remember reading that and just wanting to tell Elizabeth Gilbert my life story. Like <laughs> I need to know why I love this so much. That is starting to happening, starting to happen with this. And um, it's really touching. And it also just feels like a big, I feel like people are trusting me with their stories and I didn't know that was going to happen. And so now I feel like I'm sort of carrying around other people's stories too. And it's really sweet, but I didn't, I just, for some reason did not expect that to happen. Yeah. That'll be interesting when it's out to like the wide world in terms of the yeah. volume. But I wonder, sometimes I think when reading memoir or stories that are really personal like that, mm -hmm. there's almost this urge. I was talking to somebody who writes nonfiction, who, who has had this happen to her as well. Like when people meet her in person, mm -hmm. is that like when somebody has read something of yours and they feel like they've gotten to get sort of inside of your personal life, they almost want yeah. to rebalance the scales. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like I've seen so much of what's your inner life. And now I feel like I have to share mine. Right. So fair. So, so we'll be even. I wrote, a few years ago, um, Danny Shapiro, who is a fantastic memoirist, and by the way, has a great book coming out in January <laughs> called Inheritance. Holy moly, it will knock your socks off. But when she was promoting her last book, which was called Hourglass, she wrote this really nice essay for the New York Times book review about the experience of going on book tour and meeting people who felt like they knew her really well because they knew these pieces of her that she's put into books and people will kind of take those pieces and put them together and assume I know everything about you. So people would walk up like they'd known her for years and she'd never seen them before. And they would also assume that they must know everything about her. So she would start to tell a story like, Oh, this thing happened with my mom and people would cut her off and go, Oh, I know, I know all about it. I know about your mom. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> like there's nothing else to say. No, there's nothing you else you need about to tell. It. it didn't happen. Right. Right. So it's, it's interesting. I've heard also additionally, like um, Barry Tesler, who wrote The Art of Money, has a lot of sort of memoir elements in that book, mm -hmm. even though it is a book about personal finance. And mm -hmm. she had a woman come up to her on book tour. And this woman came up and said, you know what? Your book changed my life, except, except um, especially the part where, and then she told this whole story happened. And that story never 
was in the book. It was, it had nothing to do with what was in the book. And she had just inserted and she said, it changed my life. I made this different decision, all of this. And, and Barry was like, Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you had this positive experience. Was it in another book? Like, was she getting idea? She has no idea. I mean, it was like some things that she said related, but it was almost like something about her book caused her to insert her own experience into it. Imagine that she had read it and then make a different decision about what she was going to do next. That's fascinating. The power of books. I know. Who knows what people are going to project on your book once it's out there? (laughs) I know. You're like, ready. Because, I mean, this is not your first book is the other thing. It's not my first book. But it's different. It's such a different book. I mean, the first book was called Penguins with People Problems, and it's a cartoon book. It's little cartoons that I drew with my finger on my iPad and wrote funny captions for. So it's a humor book and it was fun and it was easy. And by the time uh, Penguin Random House bought that book or we had the book deal, I had been drawing those online and posting them online for years. So I had tons of material. It took like two months to write enough material to finish a book, just a different experience. And this has taken me... um, almost three years, I guess, start to finish. And it's so much, essays are so much harder than cartoons. <laughs> and it's much- That's the quote from this episode. <laughs> right. Essays are harder than cartoons. And it's just deeper territory. It's, it's just so it's personal. And so it's just different. It's different. I feel like the Penguins experience was a nice little test run to kind of see how does it feel to go sign my books in a bookstore? And what is it like to be an author in the world? And then this is sort of next level. Mm. Yeah. So we haven't really talked about this book that much. So it took you three years to write. Mm-hmm. What was the initial sort of aha moment when you realized that you wanted to write that book? And how, how did that unfold? There were a lot of stops and starts in this book. I had a few essays that I had kind of written anyway, because, you know, I'm, I've freelance essays. So I write things and then send them off to magazines or whatever. So I had a few essays that, that had started to sort of accumulate. And I thought, you know, I could, I could keep going with this and have a little collection. And I started adding to them. And when I actually had enough of a pile together that I thought this could be a collection, I sent it to my agent and I said, I've, I think I have written an essay collection. And in my mind, the unifying thread was they were all funny or I thought they were all funny. I was like, I've written a comedic collection. Here you go. And I sent it to her and she emailed me back the next day. And she said, I am on page 10 and I have cried four times. <gasps> oh. yeah. I, I am great at being funny. Um, but and she did not mean crying with laughter. Well, she said that she had cried with laughter too, but she had like, cried, cried four times. She said, you're striking a, a nerve here that I don't even know if you know that you're striking, when Mm. you write about what it feels like to be a perfectionist and to want to be right all the time and where that comes from and how you, how the idea that if I can just get things right, people will love me and I will be worth being a person. I think more people related to that than I thought. Um, Yeah. I might end up crying with that one. Yeah. So like, we better stock up on yeah. the tissues before yeah. I break this and one there's out. A lot, and there's a lot in there about just getting to adulthood and all the various sort of decision tree points in your life where it's like, you can do this thing or you can do that thing. And they're both good choices. But if you choose this, that goes away. And yeah. 
I guess those are heavier moments than I thought they were. But so she said, take this back. Think about it not just as light and funny, but think about the impact it can have deeper than that. And bring it back to me when you're ready. And so I moved, I moved the pieces around and I wrote some other pieces to it. And once I, once I got this arc to form, you could kind of see how I became this way as a kid, how I got to be an adult, how I reached this point where um, I think a lot of people reach where you've made what you thought were all the right decisions and you have everything to be happy about on paper, but you're not happy and you feel guilty that you're not happy and you kind of want to restart your life but you're not in a position to do like a toss the match over your shoulder and just blow up your life kind of thing. So how do you start over? Um, and once that clicked into place, I could see, I could see what it was. Yeah. So how long was it in writing once you got to that point? Once I remember it, so it was May of last year, May of 2017, that arc clicked into place. And I made like, I literally took the essays and laid them on the floor in a rainbow shape. <laughs> and that, that's when I was like, then there it is. So from May through the end of 2017, I edited and polished that, that, that kind of final draft. And then in January of 2018, we sent it out on submission. And within three days we had a, um, it's the kind of offer where they're like, I make this offer. You've got 24 hours. If you take it, it you, you take, you're not submitting it anywhere else. Uh, it. It's it's like when you, know you go early is. admission at college. Let's call it early admission. Had an early admission <laughs> at Simon and Schuster at an imprint called Touchstone, which actually has just merged into an imprint called Atria. So on the side, you will see it is a Touchstone book, but it's actually going to come out under Atria, which is a Simon and Schuster imprint. So I sold it in January. Um, my editor got back to me in February with an editorial letter full of suggestions and things that, and she was really great about it. She, um, her name is Trish Todd. She's wonderful. She didn't say you must change all these things. She said, here are some things I might suggest. You think about what would work and do whichever of these things you feel like are necessary. And, uh, and I turned the final, final, final into her in May of this year and it comes out next April. So it's a long time between when you finish the book and when it comes out. It is. And I think all of these things happen in that period. It's like some people start writing another book and some people just pace around and, and <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, of kind of like built up excitement that happens in that period. And yet I think it's, I think it still seems to be important for people that they have yeah. that time, that something happens during this whole process. Yeah. It was a good time for me to, to turn my attention back to some of the things that I had been neglecting, you know, like day job stuff and my laundry and my household. And, you know, spring of this year was a time when pretty much I said to everybody in my life, you got to give me four months. I got to go do, I got to go get this book ready. So it was actually nice to have summer and fall and be able to pay attention to things in my life again. That's a good time to do it too. It's like, yeah. and then you get a little, you get a little time with everybody and then you got to yeah. get through the holidays and then it'll be new year and then you got a book. Yeah. And then you get, are you going to tour? I think so. Mm. I don't know where, it's too early to know where yet, but yeah. I think Clearly so. the obvious place to go is Berlin. I mean... <laughs> It does seem so obvious. It's so Send obvious. Me to Germany, Simon and Schuster. <laughs> I know. Come on over. We're ready for you. I can't wait.
Excellent. Well, I want to hear also, so we have that to look forward to. That will be on all of our spring reading lists. But what are you reading this fall, winter? And I think we're at the point where we can start to talk about like what gifts might you want to give at the holidays? Oh, I have some for sure. You do? But I want to hear what you're reading. And what okay. You're reading. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to talk about gifts, I have a gift book first and then I can talk about like things to buy for yourself to yes. read. Gifts, this, these gifts can be for yourself too. This can be for everybody. Okay. This is my number one gift Ooh. recommendation. It's called Bibliophile by Jane Mount. Jane Mount is the artist behind Ideal Bookshelf. If you remember her, that was her first book. And it's, it's also turned into this art company where she makes little enamel pins and aprons and coffee mugs and postcards. She does these beautiful paintings of book spines where you can very much tell what book it is. You recognize it like, yes, that is the spine of To Kill a Mockingbird. That's what that looks like. But she has her own little style that somehow makes all of them cohesive and look like her her art. And this, it's called Bibliophile. This book is for everyone who loves to read. It is the most beautiful, adorable, mm. like it's not, it's a coffee table book, but it's not stuffy. It's not like a hundred books you must read in order to be literary. She's, a, she's done all these paintings of book stacks and she's arranged them by theme. So she has like, you know, books that take place in outer space, books with strong female heroines, cookbooks. Then she has paintings of famous bookstores, literary cats, interviews with authors. It is just the most delightful, fun, interesting book about books. And it is also beautiful. So it looks good sitting out on your table. And uh, some, like it's a beautiful hardcover book that feels really, really nice. And somehow it is only $24.95 in the US. I have no idea how on earth Chronicle did that, but um, it's a really nice price point for such a fancy book. It's a steal. That's my favorite gift book. Yes. What, you, what book are you giving? I think, well, it's like nobody, if you're in my family, then please stop listening now. Because okay. um, <laughs> I think there's going to get a lot of copies of this one. I just like lost my mind over Susan Orlean's latest, The, the Library, Library Book. book. Yes. And as of, as of sort of transitional Angelino, I don't know what else to call myself. Um, mm -hmm. It, there was, it, I had such affection reading it cause I was reading it on the plane as I was flying away from LA to move to Berlin. Oh yeah. So it was kind of poignant, but there's so many weirdos in this book. The character, like the librarians are so weird and the fire mystery, it has something for everybody. Like if you like weirdos, they're in there. If you like arson and kind of criminal investigation, it's in there. If you like history, it's in there. It's, it was, it was really great. And then, um, I, I mean, the only questions I asked her, I was a little worried when I interviewed her that all I was going to be able to do is say, Susan, it was so good. <laughs> Susan, do you know how good it is? And I was like, that's going to be a really boring interview. Um, <laughs> but it was, I, I would just imagine this bulk of material it would take oh. to write a book like that and, and yeah. try to make it a normal size. Research. Yeah. It is not a coffee table book, but it could be. It totally could be. I would put that book on my coffee table. It's also a beautiful book with the red cover. It it's beautiful. I like it. Okay. Want to talk about what we're reading? Yeah. Okay. This is the book that got me out of my fiction slump. Mm. Leon, Leon Moriarty's Nine Perfect Strangers. I tell you, I don't know if it's me or 
the books that are out right now or what, but I went through a slump kind of at the end of summer where I didn't like anything I was reading. I kept starting stuff and putting it down and it was really kind of bumming me out. This book is so much fun. It is, um, you know, this is the woman who brought us Big Little Lies. So this is very much in that vein of kind of an ensemble story where every character has their own little crazy, mysterious backstory. And um, this one is set in a health and wellness retreat where nine people have gone to do a 10-day cleanse for one reason or another. And as you learn little bits about why each of them are there, and you also learn what's up with the very strange, interesting woman who runs the place, this book gets harder and harder to put down. So um, it held my attention to the last page, which is more than I can say for a lot of things lately. Interesting. I think the reason I missed that slump is because I was too busy, like frantically packing. You were moving. I was moving. So I didn't, I missed that period. (laughs) It's like you had your own thing going on. I feel like there's a cycle in like the New York Times book review, you know, where like one week I want to read everything. And then next week I don't want to read anything that's in there. I feel like they have two different people that are like, one is my sole reader twin Mm -hmm. and the other one where like, you like completely different stuff. That is real. Okay, I have two two that I'm super excited about. Oh yeah, that come out. Um, I think just end of end of November. Anyway, here is one. My sister, the serial killer. Have you heard about this yet? No. Okay, the buzz is like building to a deafening level for this book. So this is by Oyan Braithwaite. She is, I believe, a Nigerian writer. It's a cross between a thriller and a dark comedy. Yes. Is, I'm going to put this down while I talk. Some, I gesture with my hands. I'm afraid I'm going to throw it across the room. Um, <laughs> so it's a story of two sisters. One is beautiful, sexy, manipulative, pretty much splits her time between posing for her Instagram and seducing rich men. And the other sister is the responsible one who works in a hospital. And she has this long, unrequited crush on a doctor there. And mm. things get dicey at the very beginning when we find out that the responsible sister is always cleaning up after the beautiful crazy sister, like literally cleaning up after her murders. Whoa. Murder. Um, and things get really dicey when the murderous sister meets the handsome doctor. Oh, the no. The responsible sister has a crush on and seduces him. So <gasps> the responsible sister has to figure out how to save him from what she knows is his inevitable fate, while also keeping her sister's secret and keeping her sister out of prison because she loves her sister. So it has this really kind of sensational thriller murdery angle to it, but there's also a really deep, really sweet theme of family and, and what we would do to protect the people we love. So I love it. I thought it was fantastic. Okay, I'm um, read that. Yeah, okay, here's another one. Yeah. The Adults by Excellent. Caroline. I think we pronounce it Halsey. I'm not sure. This is sort of your holiday rom-com kind of book. It's, she's a British writer. It takes place in a family camp, like holiday resort type place called the Happy Forest Holiday Park. And <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's just the perfect rom-com movie set. If this doesn't get made into a movie, I will eat my foot. Um, A man, a woman, and their young daughter go to have a little getaway for Christmas. The twist is the mom and the dad are actually divorced and they've each brought their new partner on the trip. So it's mom, dad, child, new girlfriend, new boyfriend. They're all together in this like rental house at this resort place. And everybody's trying to be on their best behavior, but everybody has 
some kind of crazy and some kind of backstory. So things get more and more awkward and embarrassing and hilarious and terrible until something really nuts happens and somebody has to call the police. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So nice. it's just fun. It is fun for when you're in that season where you just like all the family is together too much and you need to go hide in your room and read something fun. That's it. When is that out? Because I feel like that's the book everybody wants for like out. Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's out here in the States on November 27th. So perfect for your, your holiday break. Excellent. Let's see, what else have I liked? Um, a couple more quick ones. This is not the final cover for this. I'm sorry, this, is the, um, this was the, the galley cover. It has a, a really nice cover now in the world. But this is John Boyne's latest novel, A Ladder to the Sky. After his last one, The Heart's Invisible Furies, I decided I would follow him anywhere. I will read anything he ever writes. I love that book so much. This one's a little different. I didn't love it quite as much, but I did finish it, which again, these days is a miracle for me. I wanted to know what happened. It has kind of a talented Mr. Ripley thing going on. Mm. Um, an unreliable character who is bad. It's just a fun you want to know what happens. That's what kept me going is I wanted to know like, who is this guy and what is going on? This is another one to talk about real quick. News of Our Loved Ones by Abigail DeWitt. I discovered this book when I met Abigail at the Southern Festival of Books in Nashville. She was on a panel that I moderated. And it's about a French family who lives in Normandy during World War II and the after effects of a bombing that hits their home. And I would say this is a great one if you loved All the Light We Cannot See, mm -hmm. but you're not ready to reread it quite yet. You just want more of that vibe, but you don't want to start that book over. Bam. That one. What else? Oh, Jeez, Golden... you didn't even know you had. I know. Uh, Golden State by Lydia Kiesling. This reminded me a lot of the books of Eden Lepucky. Yep. It, even the cover that. reminds me of Eden Lepucky a little it's bit. It's kind of Lepucky feel to it. Motherhood, road trip, existential crisis. I highly recommend it. And this is one. Um... Ooh. So this Sounds is like of... my life. <laughs> yes, The Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiro Arakawa, translated into English by Philip Gabriel, translated from Japanese, where uh, in Japan it was a bestseller. It's now an international bestseller. It is a fable-like, really charming book for adults, but narrated by a cat, narrated oh, mostly by a cat. Yes. Um, it's just charming and sweet and not too sappy. It's about a man and his cat and... It's, the, it's also, I would put in the category of like things you just need to read over the holidays when you are feeling sensitive. That's a great one. Warm blankie. It is, it is just a warm blankie of a book. I don't have this one to show the cover of because I loved it so much. I wanted to make sure a friend read it and he hasn't given it back to me yet. Friday Black by mm. Nana Kwame Ajebrenya. It is just whoa this so this this guy has exploded onto the literary scene it's a short story collection he was one of the national book foundation's five under 35 for 2018 which is a big big honor and he's young these stories yeah, are he's a tiny baby he's a tiny baby but this book is just it's stunning they're the stories are dark they're haunting um they really dig into race relations in the state of our country right now They'll remind you, they'll remind you a little of George Saunders. They reminded me a lot of Margaret Atwood too, and Jasmine Ward. Just, this guy is going places. Actually, this guy already is places. He's not going places, he is places. Um, so Friday Black, check that out. 
Can we do nonfiction? Yeah. Let me give you a fiction. I want to give you You give me a fiction and then we'll move on to nonfiction. So the fiction that I have been, there's two lately that I've been super into. Is it just two? I feel like there's a third one. Oh, there is a third one. Sorry. Because I keep um, interviewing people when an installment of a series comes out. And then I like start at the beginning and now I'm like obsessed. So yes, I have three. The first one, and they're all on my Kindle, so I can't show anybody a cool cover. Sorry about that. Um, this is <laughs> what happens when you move abroad and get rid of all your books. Just, just imagine this here. Um, so the first one I've been reading and loving is Ada Palmer to like the lightning. Do you know about this one? No, tell me. Okay, so the thing that I love about this is also that it's going to be part of a quadrilogy. So you don't just get the trilogy and then they, okay. they break your heart and it's over. <laughs> There's a fourth book for everybody who gets attached. So this, I, I am getting like really into this sort of literary sci-fi thing that's going on. So yeah. she is a, a genius, basically. Um, she is a professor of the history of information. And... Ooh. Very interesting stuff. I don't, I, I like almost kept up with her when we were talking about it and <laughs> like, like 75%. So, but the book is basically, if you think about if Voltaire was brought in kind of a Bill and Ted mobile into today, okay. how would he feel about today? Like all of the things that he worked on, all the values that he had, some of them would have played out and made life better. Some of them wouldn't. So she thinks about that a lot, but what she's done is written a novel that takes place about 400 years from now, as if we are Voltaire going forward oh. and seeing how society operates. Ooh. And the way that it works is that there are these self-driving cars that can get you anywhere on earth in, in two hours or less. So wow. you can live in Chile and work in England and have lunch in you know Japan. And so wow. nationality is no longer geographically based. It's based on a value system because it's so easy to go everywhere that you yeah. now can, uh, you elect to be a part of a country. So it's sort of about society. And she has walked this line really carefully where it is both, it could be taken as a dystopia or a utopia, depending on how you feel personally. It's that sounds fantastic. It's real good. So um, yeah, I'm on the. I'm almost done with the first book, um, but I'm like, I, I keep like having to read other things for the show, and then I'm like, I gotta get back to Ada Palmer. <laughs> and all so, four are are out now. Th the first three are out, and she's working on the fourth. She's now. working on the fourth. Okay. I think the fourth will be out next year. Okay. Either well, next year or great. the one after. Really good, and they're long and like meaty, so you're not that's gonna fine. chew through them in a weekend. Great. So that's one. The other one is um, Mary Robinette Koal has the second book in her Lady Astronauts series has come out. Oh, yeah. You've told me about this series before. It's great. I love this. I love her. So she has written as if another, it's another sort of comparative history. If in the 1950s, a giant asteroid hit Earth and it was an extinction level event, thereby accelerating the space program. And there's, so it's a lot about like women getting equal treatment and the main character is a woman who's really brilliant, but not getting taken seriously because she's a woman in the fifties working for JPL and, um, or the equivalent, because that changes a little bit, but it's this whole thing. So it's like this alternative history and it's so well-written that I didn't like fully read the back before I started. And I got in there and I was like, did an asteroid hit Earth that I didn't know about it? And the 50s, like, it's so believable. <laughs> 
<laughs> that I was like, did I miss this? And then they started talking about extinction. I was like, oh, okay, no, no, no. No, this, this part didn't happen. But she's so good at capturing the history that you kind of yeah. forget that it's a hypothetical. So it's kind of like an alternative sci-fi hidden figures. Yes, exactly. And she was so happy. She was working on it when Hidden Figures came out, and the first book. And she said, oh, thank God. Now I'm not going to have to explain anything to anybody. I can just say, see, this really yeah. happened. They're yeah. all going to believe it. It's real history. So that one. And then the third one that's coming out this month in November is um, Sarah St. Vincent, uh, Ways to Hide in Winter. Ooh. From Melville, really interesting. She's um, also, it's interesting, all these people who have like really interesting second careers writing books. So she is, she works on information privacy and security and she writes about this, but this book is about a woman who's in kind of a domestic violence situation in a very rural setting in Pennsylvania. And then this man appears who's kind of hiding out and he's from an Eastern European country, not quite clear where he came from. And so they're kind of sizing each other up and it, all of these kind of thought processes, but it's a really quiet poetic book at the same time as being a thriller. Um, Ooh, really interesting. Good. And you yeah. said it's Melville house. That's your Melville house. Okay. I will look for it. Give them a Thank ring. You. It's yeah, it's out. I think next week. Fantastic. So those are my fiction choices for okay. the moment. Should we talk nonfiction? Yeah, let's do, do it. You have non, do you have nonfiction choices? My main one is the library book right now. Okay. Just because I've been reading one. so much fiction. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my main one. Okay. Well, I have a few. I may have more after next week because I'm talking to more people. Oh, there you go. Okay. This is, my, this is the book I'm just loving right now. It's called Congratulations, Who Are You Again? by Harrison Scott Key. He is a memoirist, uh, Southerner. I think he lives in Savannah, Georgia. He, his first memoir was called The World's Largest Man, and it won the Thurber Prize for humor. Mm. And this is sort of a memoir about that memoir or about writing that <laughs> memoir. It's, um, it is a great book for anyone who likes to laugh, obviously, because he is very, very funny. But it's also a great book for anybody who has doggedly pursued a dream for their whole life. He talks a lot about how he dreamed as a kid of being a writer, um, which is not to say that it's just a, a writer's book. It's not just a book person's book. It's genuinely funny. Funny. Oh, yeah. nobody, nobody listening to this is going to relate to this at all. <laughs> but what's really clever about it is that it's, it's so relatable and that it's about kind of the buildup and the aftermath of that first memoir and what did and didn't happen afterward. And so it's all about what happens when you get the thing you wanted most. Are oh you boy. satisfied? Are you not satisfied? How does it live up to expectations? Really, really funny, but also just really relatable on like work-life balance and knowing when to give up on a dream or when you just need to dig in deeper and go for it. So I loved it. I thought it was really, really funny. Awesome. Here are two. I'm going to hold these up together and then I'm going to talk about them separately. All right. Da, da, da. They actually look really good together. Um, You're really reckoning. good at pairing covers. I just, I love book covers. The Reckonings by Lacey Johnson and What If This Were Enough by Heather Haverleski. These are both collections of sort of personal slash topical essays. The Reckonings, very timely, very well written. Um, this was written in part as a response to a question that Lacey Johnson got a lot on the speaking circuit for her last book, which was about her experience of being raped and kidnapped by a man she had been dating. And people kept asking her at her events, what do you wish would happen to him? 
Hmm. And it got her thinking about anger and retribution and all the things in our world right now that are unfair. And so that element of her personal story is in here, but then she also delves into all sorts of other topical things that are really, really timely. I took so many pictures of pages of this book so that I could remember her words. It's that, it's that smashing. Mm. Um, and then what if this were enough? It's a tad lighter, still really, really thoughtful. Heather Haverleski is an advice columnist and also just a very observant She's a great observer of human nature. So she weaves in all these pop culture references and she's writing about our, our inability to be satisfied. And I loved it. And what was really interesting about it was I loved it even though I didn't 100% agree with every single essay. There were some where I was like, oh, I don't know if I feel that way about that. But this essay is so great and I wanna keep reading. Um, so I really, this is a great one, not quite as heavy a read as The Reckonings, in terms of just overall tone, but really, really smart. I read it on a flight and I, it was one of those books where the pilot came on and said, okay, we're gonna be landing in 20 minutes. And I was like, no, 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 I have to finish my book. I wanted the plane to like circle until I was done reading. I'd be like, could you just taxi for a bit? Like, or could you tell them like the gate's not ready? I need you to keep going. Um, just another super quick one to mention, the, uh, the Best American series is mm. now out, comes out every year. There's a Best American, category for everything, best American sci-fi writing, best American short stories, best, this is best American essays that I'm holding in poetry, my hand. Poetry, crime Poetry, writing. food writing, travel writing. Non-essential, everything. Yeah, which has a great cover. Um, they're just really nice paperback, not expensive collections of great writing that has come out this year. So I, I think those make a nice gift too, as Good a point. set, like grab three or four of them, that are, you know, fit the interest of whoever you're giving to wrap them up. It's a nice gift. Good advice. I think, I mean, whenever I talk to you, I immediately want to pack like a steamer trunk of <laughs> books and just go rent a place in Ireland. Um, I don't know why Ireland is always the choice. I think because it's really nice fireplaces <laughs> in general. And very cozy. It's very cozy. It's mm -hmm. good. I could do Scotland too. Scotland. Yeah. Scotland will work well. They have a scotch. It's excellent. Um, but yeah, I think I just want to go. It's like, why isn't there more time for just sitting and reading? Especially for people, ironically, who spend a lot of time thinking about books. Yeah. It's hard. It's, and when you read books for work and there are certain books you have to read, sometimes it's hard to make time for the books you just want to read. I very rarely get to go out and just pull a book off the shelf just because it looks interesting and start it. I know. I'm not, I mean, I'm not complaining. My job is reading books. It's awesome. No, I but feel the same way. You it's know just, what I mean. Yeah, I do. And I think yet at the same time, and I've always wanted to ask you this, and I'm like, yes, captive audience. Um, <laughs> do you still feel slightly guilty, like just sitting around reading? Like, oh, I can't just sit around and read, even though you have to sit around and read. If it is for work and it's a book I'm reviewing or a book that I, that I've you know, need to read because it's coming out in a few months and I need to know about it so that I can sell it. I don't feel guilty at all. I sit down and I'm like, this is, I am allowed to do this. I'm allowed to sit under my blankie and read my book. This is work. When I feel guilty is when I read something that has, that's been out. Like when I read backlist that I had never read before, I feel like I am getting away with murder. Like this book isn't <laughs> even new. I'm not reading it because I have to be able to sell it. I, you know, I'm not reviewing it. I'm not I'm just reading it because I want to. 
and it's, it's fun. not even in hardback. I know it's a paperback that's it's already been published. Yeah. I ridiculously feel guilty doing that, but, um, but it's fun. And that's like a treat for me to go on vacation and bring books that are purely for pleasure reading. Yeah. I feel the same, but for whatever reason, I even feel like guilty reading during the daytime. I don't know why that is. It's here's, here's the delusional. Trick. Hold a pencil while you're reading. Ah. Oh, if any, if anyone walks up, it looks like you're taking notes and you've, and there's something about just having a pencil in your fingers while you're reading that just visually you're like, ah, oh, yes, here I am working with my pencil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have my little notebook out. I'll make some notes. Yeah. I think that's the answer. I'm going to try it. Yeah. Get a pencil. I'm going to try it. Excellent. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on yet again. I just, you know, I just keep coming up with reasons. I'm like, oh, good. She wrote a book and we can talk about other books too. It's even better. It's the thank best. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I should mention, because I know my publisher would like for me to, that this is available for pre-order. I miss you when I blink. By me, Mary Laura Philpot. And if you would like an autographed copy, if you go to um, the website for the bookstore where I have a day job, parnassusbooks.net slash philpot. That's my last name, parnassusbooks.net slash philpot. Uh, you can pre-order this and all the copies will be signed because I'm there anyway. So I'm going to sign all the books that are ordered that way. You got to get your wrist brace ready. Yeah. Have you chosen your pen, your, your, your preferred signing pen? I haven't. I need to see what the paper feels like mm. on, the, on the final, on the hardcover. That, de that determines my pen choice. Yeah, because you can't always go Sharpie. It's too much. You can't always go. Sometimes Sharpie is the right thing, and sometimes you need more of a rollerball type situation. Yeah, or like a gel. Mm. Yeah. Someone needs to write a pen review of like best <laughs> book signing pens. Totally. Totally. Oh, that sounds amazing. Anyway, well, maybe we'll get somebody on to talk about pens for book signings. There you go. So everybody's ready. <laughs> but as always, a total delight. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.